0: Hey there, you're listening to Nanny Fiction. I'm Nani, and today we're going to finish the story, The Reluctant Dragon, by Kenneth Graham. If you haven't already, do go listen to part one of The Reluctant Dragon, which we read last week. Today we're going to read part two. Here we go. The dragon was licking his scales and rubbing them with a bit of house flannel the boy's mother had lent him till he shone like a great turquoise. "'Don't be violent, boy,' he said without looking around. "'Sit down and get your breath, and try to remember that the noun governs the verb, "'and then perhaps you'll be good enough to tell me who's coming.' "'Hm, that's right. Take it coolly,' said the boy. "'Hope you'll be half as cool when I've got through with my news. "'It's only St. George who's coming, that's all,' he rode into the village half an hour ago. "'Of course,' You can lick him, a great big fellow like you, but I thought I'd warn you, because he's sure to be round early, and he's got the longest, wickedest-looking spear you ever did see. And the boy got up and began to jump around in sheer delight at the prospect of the battle. Oh, dreary, dreary me, moaned the dragon. This is too awful. I won't see him, and that's flat. I don't want to know the fellow at all. I'm sure he's not nice. You must tell him to go away at once, please. Say he can write if he likes, but I can't give him an interview. I'm not seeing anybody at present. Now, dragon, dragon, said the boy imploringly. Don't be perverse and wrong-headed. You've got to fight him sometime or other, you know, because he's St. George, and you're the dragon. Better get over it, and then we can go on with the sonnets. And you ought to consider other people a little, too. If it's been dull up here for you, think how dull it's been for me. My dear little man, said the dragon solemnly, just understand, once for all, that I can't fight and I won't fight. I've never fought in my life, and I'm not going to begin now just to give you a Roman holiday. In old days, I always let the other fellows, the earnest fellows, do all the fighting, and no doubt that's why I've had the pleasure of being here now. But if you don't fight, he'll "'Cut your head off!' gasped the boy, miserable, at the prospect of losing both his fight and his friend. "'Oh, I think not,' said the dragon in his lazy way. "'You'll be able to arrange something. "'I've every confidence in you. "'You're such a manager. "'Just run down There's a dear chap and make it all right. "'I'll leave it entirely to you.' The boy made his way back to the village in a state of great despondency. First of all, there wasn't going to be any fight.' Next, his dear and honored friend the dragon hadn't shown up in quite such a heroic light as he would have liked. And lastly, whether the dragon was a hero at heart or not, it made no difference, for St. George would most undoubtedly cut his head off. "'Arrange things, indeed,' he said bitterly to himself. "'The dragon treats the whole affair as if it was an invitation to tea and croquet.' The villagers were straggling homewards as he passed up the street— all of them in the highest spirits and gleefully discussing the splendid fight that was in store, the boy pursued his way to the inn and passed into the principal chamber, where St. George now sat alone, musing over the chances of the fight and the sad stories of the rapine and of wrong that had so lately been poured into his sympathetic ears. Um, <clears throat> may I come in, St. George? said the boy politely, as he paused at the door. I want to talk to you about this little matter of the dragon— "'if you're not too tired of it by this time.' "'Yes. Come in, boy,' said the saint kindly. "'Another tale of misery and wrong, I fear me. "'Is it a kind parent, then, of whom the tyrant has bereft you, "'or some tender sister or brother?' "'Well, it shall soon be avenged.' "'No, nothing of that sort,' said the boy. "'There's a misunderstanding somewhere, and I want to put it right. "'The fact is, this is a good dragon.' "'Exactly!' said St. George, smiling pleasantly. "'I quite understand. A good dragon. "'Believe me, I do not in the least regret "'that he is an adversary worthy of my steel "'and no feeble specimen of his noxious tribe.' Uh, "'But he's not a noxious tribe,' cried the boy distressedly. "'Oh, dear, oh, dear! "'How stupid men are when they get an idea into their heads!' I tell you, he is a good dragon and a friend of mine. And he tells the most beautiful stories you ever heard, all about old times and when he was little. And he's been so kind to mother, and mother'd do anything for him. And father likes him too, though father doesn't hold with art and poetry much and always falls asleep when the dragon starts talking about style. But the fact is, nobody can help liking him when once they know him. He's so engaging and so trustful and as simple as a child. Sit down and draw up your chair, said St. George. I like a fellow who sticks up for his friends, and I'm sure the dragon has his good points, if he's got a friend like you, but that's not the question. All this evening I've been listening with grief and anguish unspeakable, to tales of murder and theft and wrong, rather too highly colored perhaps, not always quite convincing, but forming in the main a most serious role of crime. History teaches us that the greatest rascals often possess all the domestic virtues, and I fear that your cultivated friend, in spite of all the qualities which have won, and rightly, your regard, has got to be speedily exterminated. Oh, you've been taking in all the yarns those fellows have been telling you, said the boy impatiently. Why, our villagers are the biggest storytellers in all the country round. It's... It's a known fact. You're a stranger in these parts or else you'd have heard of it already. All they want is a fight. They're the most awful beggars for getting up fights. It's meat and drink to them. Dogs, bulls, dragons, anything so long as it's a fight. Why, they've got a poor innocent badger in the stable behind here at this moment. They were going to have some fun with him today, but they're saving him up now till your little affair's over. And I've no doubt they've been telling you what a hero you were and how you were bound to win in the cause of right and justice and so on but let me tell you I came down the street just now and they were betting six to four on the dragon freely six to four on the dragon murmured saint George sadly resting his cheek on his hand oh, this is an evil world and sometimes i begin to think that all the wickedness in it is not entirely bottled up inside the dragons and yet may not this wily beast have misled you as to his real character in order that your good report of him may serve as a cloak for his evil deeds Nay, may there not be at this very moment some hapless princess immured within yonder gloomy cavern the moment he had spoken saint george was sorry for what he had said the boy looked so genuinely distressed i assure you saint george he said earnestly there is nothing of the sort in the cave at all "'The dragon's a real gentleman, every inch of him, "'and may I say that no one would be more shocked and grieved than he would "'at hearing you talk in that that loose way about manners on which he has very strong views.' "'Well, perhaps I've been over-credulous,' said St. George. "'Perhaps I've misjudged the animal, but what are we to do? "'Here are the dragon and I, almost face to face, "'each supposed to be thirsting for each other's blood.' I don't see any way out of it exactly what do you suggest can't you arrange things somehow (sighs) that's just what the dragon said replied the boy rather nettled really the way you two seem to leave everything to me i suppose you couldn't be persuaded to go away quietly could you impossible i fear said the saint quite against the rules you know that as well as i do ah well well then look here said the boy it's early yet; would you mind strolling up with me and seeing the dragon, and talking it over? It's not far, and any friend of mine will be most welcome." "Well, it's irregular," said saint George, rising, "but really it seems about the most sensible thing to do. You're taking a lot of trouble on your friend's account," he added good naturedly, as they passed through the outer door together, "but cheer up. "'Perhaps there won't have to be a fight after all.' "'Oh, but I hope there will, though,' replied the little fellow wistfully. "'I've brought a friend to see you, dragon,' said the boy, rather loud. "'The dragon woke up with a start. "'I was just, er um, thinking about things,' he said in his simple way. "'Very pleased to make your acquaintance, sir. "'Charming weather we're having.' "'This is St. George,' said the boy shortly. "'St. George, let me introduce you to the dragon.' We've come to talk things over quietly, dragon, and now, for goodness sake, do let us have a little straight common sense, and come to some practical, business-like arrangement, for I'm sick of views and theories of life and personal tendencies, and all that sort of thing. I may perhaps add that my mother is sitting up. So glad to meet you, St. George, began the dragon rather nervously, because you've been a great traveller, I hear, and I've always been rather a stay-at-home, but I can show you many antiquities, many interesting features of our countryside if you're stopping here any time. I think, said St. George in his frank pleasant way, that we'd really better take the advice of your young friend here and try to come to some understanding on a business footing about this little affair of ours. Now, don't you think that after all the simplest plan would be to just fight it out— according to the rules, and let the best man win. They're betting on you, I may tell you, down in the village, but I don't mind that. Oh, yes, do, dragon, said the boy delightedly. It'll save such a lot of bother. My young friend, you shut up. "'said the dragon severely. "'Believe me, St. George,' he went on, "'there's nobody in the world I'd sooner oblige "'than you and this young gentleman here, "'but the whole thing's nonsense and conventionality "'and popular thick-headedness. "'There's absolutely nothing to fight about "'from beginning to end. "'And anyhow, I'm not going to, so that settles it.' "'But supposing I make you,' said St. George, rather nettled. "'You can't,' said the dragon triumphantly. I should only go into my cave and retire for a time down in the hole I came up. You'd soon get heartily sick of sitting outside and waiting for me to come out and fight you. And as soon as you'd really gone away, why, I'd come up again happily. For I tell you frankly, I like this place and I'm going to stay here. St. George gazed for a while in the fair landscape around them. But this would be a beautiful place for a fight, he began persuasively. These great bear rolling downs for the arena, and me in my golden armor, showing up against your big blue scaly coils. Think what a picture it would make! Now you're trying to get me through my artistic sensibilities, said the dragon. But it won't work. Not but what it would make a very pretty picture, as you say he added, wavering a little. We seem to be getting rather nearer to business, put in the boy. You must see, Dragon, that there's got to be a fight of some sort, because you can't want to have to go down that dirty old hole again and stop there till goodness knows when. It might be arranged, said St. George thoughtfully. I must spear you somewhere, of course, but I'm not bound to hurt you very much. There's such a lot of you that... There must be a few spare places somewhere. Here, for instance, just behind your foreleg. It couldn't hurt you much just here. Now you're tickling, George, said the dragon coyly. No, 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 that place won't do at all. Even if it didn't hurt, and I'm sure it would awfully, it would make me laugh, and that would spoil everything. Let's try somewhere else, then, said St. George patiently under your neck, for instance, all these folds of thick skin. If I spared you here, you'd never even know I'd done it. Yes, but you are sure that you can hit off the right place, asked the dragon anxiously. Of course I am, said St. George with confidence. You leave that to me. It's just because I've got to leave it to you that I'm asking, replied the dragon rather testily. No doubt you would deeply regret an error you might make in the hurry of the moment, but you wouldn't regret it half as much as I should. However, I suppose we've got to trust somebody as we go through life, and— Your plan seems, on the whole, as good a one as any. Look here, dragon, interrupted the boy, a little jealous on behalf of his friend, who seemed to be getting all the worst of the bargain. I don't quite see where you come in. There's to be a fight, apparently, and you're to be licked, and what I want to know is what are you going to get out of it? St. George, said the dragon, just tell him, please, what will happen after I'm vanquished in the deadly combat. Well according to the rules i suppose i shall lead you in triumph down to the marketplace or whatever answers to it said st george precisely said the dragon and then and then there'll be shoutings and speeches and things continued st george and i shall explain that you are converted and see the error of your ways and so on quite so said the dragon and then oh and then "'said St. George. "'Why, and then there will be the usual banquet, I suppose.' "'Exactly,' said the dragon, "'and that's where I come in. "'Look here,' he continued, addressing the boy, "'I'm bored to death up here, "'and no one really appreciates me. "'I'm going into society, I am, "'through the kindly aid of our friend here, "'who's taking such a lot of trouble on my account, "'and you'll find I've got all the qualities "'to endear me to the people who entertain, "'and now—' "'That's all settled, and if you don't mind, I'm an old-fashioned fellow. "'Don't want to turn you out, but, um... "'Remember, you'll have to do your proper share of the fighting dragon,' "'said St. George as he took the hint and rose to go. "'I mean, ramping and breathing fire and so on. "'I can ramp all right.' "'replied the dragon confidently. "'As to breathing fire, "'it's surprising how easily one gets out of practice, "'but I'll do the best I can. "'Good night.' "'They had descended the hill "'and were almost back to the village again "'when St. George stopped short. "'Ah, knew I had forgotten something,' he said. "'There ought to be a princess, "'terror-stricken and chained to a rock "'and all that sort of thing. "'Boy, can't you arrange a princess?' "'The boy was in the middle of a tremendous yawn. I'm tired to death, he wailed, and I can't arrange a princess or anything more at this time of night, and my mother's sitting up, and do stop asking me to arrange more things till tomorrow. Next morning, the people began streaming up to the downs at quite an early hour, dressed in their Sunday clothes and carrying baskets, everyone intent on securing good places for combat. This was not exactly a simple matter, for, of course, it was quite possible that the dragon might win, and in that case, even those who had put their money on him felt they could hardly expect him to deal with his backers on a different footing To the rest. Places were chosen, therefore, with circumspection and with a view to speedy retreat in case of emergency, and the front rank was mostly composed of boys who had escaped from parental control and now sprawled and rolled about on the grass, regardless of the shrill threats and warnings discharged at them by their anxious mothers behind. The boy had secured a good front place, well up towards the cave, and was feeling as anxious as a stage manager on a first night. Could the dragon be depended upon? He might change his mind and vote the whole performance rot, or else, seeing that the affair had been so hastily planned, without even a rehearsal, he might be too nervous to show up. The boy looked narrowly at the cave, but it showed no sign of life or occupation. Could the dragon have made a moonlight flitting? The higher portions of the ground were now black with sightseers, and presently, A sound of cheering and a waving of handkerchiefs told that something was visible to them which the boy, far up towards the dragon, end of the line as he was, could not yet see. A minute more and St. George's red plumes topped the hill as the saint rode slowly forth on the great level place which stretched up to the grim mouth of the cave. Very gallant and beautiful he looked on his tall white horse, his golden armor glancing in the sun, his great spear held erect. He drew rein and remained motionless. The lines of spectators began to give back a little, nervously, and even the boys in front stopped pulling hair and cuffing each other and leaned forward expectant. Now then, dragon! "'Muttered the boy, impatiently fidgeting where he sat. "'He need not have distressed himself, had he only known. "'The dramatic possibilities of the thing "'had tickled the dragon immensely, "'and he had been up from an early hour "'preparing for his first public appearance "'with as much heartiness as if the years had run backwards, "'and he had been again a little dragonlet.' playing with his sisters on the floor of their mother's cave at the game of saints and dragons in which the dragon was bound to win a low muttering mingled with snorts now made itself heard rising to a bellowing roar that seemed to fill the plain then a cloud of smoke obscured the mouth of the cave and out of the midst of it the dragon himself, shining sea-blue, magnificent, pranced speedily forth, and everybody said, "Oh!" as if he had been a mighty rocket. His scales were glittering. His long, spiky tail lashed at his side. His claws tore up the turf and sent it flying high over his back, and smoke and fire incessantly jetted from his angry nostrils. Oh, well done, dragon, cried the boy excitedly. Didn't think he had it in him, he added to himself. St. George lowered his spear, bent his head, dug his heels into his horse's sides, and came thundering over the turf. The dragon charged with a roar and a squeal, a great blue whirring combination of coils and snorts and clashing jaws and spikes and fire. Missed! yelled the crowd. There was a moment's entanglement of golden armor and blue-green coils and spiky tail, and then the great horse, tearing at his bit, carried the saint his spear swung high in the air almost up to the mouth of the cave the dragon sat down barked viciously while saint george with difficulty pulled his horse round into position end of round one thought the boy how well they managed it but i hope the saint won't get excited i can trust the dragon all right what a regular play actor the fellow is St. George had at last prevailed on his horse to stand steady and was looking round him when he wiped his brow. Catching sight of the boy, he smiled and nodded and held up three fingers for an instant. "'It seems to be all planned out,' said the boy to himself. "'Round three is to be the finishing one, evidently. Wish it could have lasted a little bit longer. Whatever's that old fool of a dragon up to now?' The dragon was employing the interval and giving a ramping performance for the benefit of the crowd." Ramping, it should be explained, consists in running round and round in a wide circle and sending waves and ripples of movement along the whole length of your spine, from your pointed ears right down to the spike at the end of your long tail. When you are covered with blue scales, the effect is particularly pleasing, and the boy recollected the dragon's recently expressed wish to become a social success. St. George now gathered up his reins and began to move forward dropping the point of his spear and setting himself firmly in the saddle. Time! yelled everybody excitedly, and the dragon, leaving off his ramping, sat up on end and began to leap from one side to another with huge, ungainly bounds. This, naturally disconcerted the horse, who swerved violently, the saint who, just saving himself by the mane, and as they shot past the dragon, delivered up a vicious snap at the horse's tail, which sent the poor beast careering madly far over the downs, so that the language of the saint, who had lost a stirrup, was fortunately inaudible to the great assemblage. Round two evoked audible evidence of friendly feeling towards the dragon. The spectators were not slow to appreciate a combatant who could hold his own so well and clearly wanted to show good sport, and many encouraging remarks reached the ears of our friend as he strutted to and fro, his chest thrust out and his tail in the air, hugely enjoying his new popularity. St. George had dismounted and was tightening his girths and telling his horse, with quite an oriental flow of imagery, exactly what he thought of him and his relations and his conduct on the present occasion. So the boy made his way down to the saint's end of the line and held his spear for him. It's been a jolly fight, St. George, he said with a sigh. Can't you let it last a little bit longer? Well, I think I'd better not, replied the saint. The fact is, your simple-minded old friend's getting conceited, and they've begun cheering for him, and he'll forget all about the arrangement and take to playing the full, and there's no telling where he would stop. I'll just finish him off this round. He swung himself into the saddle and took his spear from the boy. Now, don't you be afraid, he added kindly. I've marked my spot exactly, and he's sure to give me all the assistance in his power, because he knows it's his only chance of being asked to the banquet. St. George now shortened his spear, bringing the butt well up under his arms and instead of galloping as before, trotted smartly towards the dragon who crouched at his approach, flicking his tail till it cracked in the air like a great cart whip. The saint wheeled as he neared his opponent and circled warily round him, keeping his eye on the spare place, while the dragon, adopting similar tactics, paced with caution round the same circle. So the two sparred for an opening while the spectators maintained a breathless silence. Though the round lasted for some minutes, the end was so swift that all the boy saw was the lightning movement of the saint's arm, and then a whirl and a confusion of spines, claws, and tail, and flying bits on the turf. The dust cleared away, the spectators whooped and ran in cheering, and the boy made out that the dragon was down, pinned to the earth by the spear, while St. George had dismounted and stood astride of him. It all seemed so genuine that the boy ran in breathlessly, hoping the dear old dragon wasn't really hurt. As he approached, the dragon lifted one large eyelid, winked solemnly, and collapsed again. He was held fast to the earth by the neck, but the saint had hid him right in the spare place agreed upon, and it didn't even seem to tickle. "'Ain't you going to cut his head off, master?' asked one of the applauding crowd. He had backed the dragon and naturally felt a trifle sore. "'Well,' "'Not today, I think,' replied St. George pleasantly. "'You see, that can be done at any time. "'There's no hurry at all. "'I think we'll go down to the village first "'and have some refreshment, "'and then I'll give him a good talking to, "'and you'll find he'll be a very different dragon.' "'At the magic word refreshment, "'the whole crowd formed up in procession "'and silently awaited the signal to start. "'The time for talking and cheering and betting was past. "'The hour for action had arrived.' St. George, hauling on his spear with both hands, released the dragon, who rose and shook himself and ran his eye over his spikes and scales and things to see that they were all in order. Then the saint mounted and led off the procession, the dragon following meekly in the company of the boy, while the thirsty spectators kept a respectful interval behind. After refreshment, St. George made a speech in which he informed his audience that he had removed their direful scourge at a great deal of trouble and inconvenience to himself. And now, they weren't to go grumbling and fancying they'd got grievances, because they hadn't. And they shouldn't be so fond of fights, because next time, they might have to do the fighting themselves, which would not be the same thing at all. And there was a certain badger in the inn stables, which had got to be released at once, and he'd come and see it done himself. Then he told them that the dragon had been thinking over things, and saw that there were two sides to every question, and he wasn't going to do it anymore, and if they were good, perhaps he'd stay and settle down there. So they must make friends, and not be prejudiced, and go about fancying they knew everything there was to be known, because they didn't, not by a long way. And he warned them against the sin of romancing, and making up stories, and fancying, other people would believe them just because they were plausible and highly colored. Then he sat down amidst a much repentant cheering, and the dragon nudged the boy in the ribs and whispered that he couldn't have done it better himself. Then everyone went off to get ready for the banquet. Banquets are always pleasant things, consisting mostly as they do of eating and drinking, but the specially nice thing about a banquet is that it comes when something's over, and there's nothing more to worry about and tomorrow seems a long way off. St. George was happy because there had been a fight, and he hadn't had to kill anybody, for he didn't really like killing, though he generally had to do it. The dragon was happy because there had been a fight, and so far from being hurt in it, he had won popularity and a sure footing in society. The boy was happy because there had been a fight, and in spite of it all, his two friends were on the best of terms, and all the others were happy because there had been a fight, and, well... They didn't require any other reasons for their happiness. The dragon exerted himself to say the right thing to everybody and proved the life and soul of the evening while the saint and the boy, as they looked on, felt that they were only assisting at a feast of which the honor and the glory were entirely the dragons. But they didn't mind that, being good fellows, and the dragon was not in the least proud or forgetful. On the contrary, every ten minutes or so he leant over towards the boy and said impressively, "'Look here, you will see me home afterwards, won't you?' And the boy always nodded, though he had promised his mother not to be out too late. At last the banquet was over.' The guests had dropped away with many good nights and congratulations and invitations, and the dragon, who had seen the last of them off the premises, emerged into the street, followed by the boy, wiped his brow, sighed, sat down in the road, and gazed at the stars. "'Jolly night it's been,' he murmured. "'Jolly stars! Jolly little place this is. Think I shall just stop here. Don't feel like climbing up any beastly hill. Boys promised to see me home.' Boy, had better do it then. No responsibility on my part. Responsibility, all boys. And his chin sank down on his broad chest, and he slumbered peacefully. Oh, get up, dragon! cried the boy piteously. You know my mother's sitting up, and I'm so tired. And you made me promise to see you home, and I never knew what it meant, or I wouldn't have done it. And the boy sat down in the road by the side of the sleeping dragon and cried. The door behind them opened, a stream of light illumined the road, and St. George, who had come out for a stroll in the cool night air, caught sight of the two figures sitting there, the great, motionless dragon and the tearful little boy. "'What's the matter, boy?' he inquired kindly, stepping to his side. "'Oh, it's this great, lumbering pig of a dragon,' sobbed the boy. "'First he makes me promise to see him home, and then he says I'd better do it, and he goes to sleep!' Might as well try to see a haystack home, and I'm so tired, and mother's... Here he broke down again. Now don't take on, said St. George. I'll stand by you, and we'll both see him home. Wake up, dragon, he said sharply, shaking the beast by the elbow. The dragon looked up sleepily. What a night, George, he murmured. What a... "'Now look here, dragon,' said the saint firmly. "'Here's this little fellow waiting to see you home, "'and you know he ought to have been in bed these two hours. "'And what his mother will say, I don't know, "'and anybody but a selfish pig "'would have made him go to bed long ago.' "'And he shall go to bed,' cried the dragon, starting up. "'Poor little chap! Only fancy his being up at this hour! "'It's a shame, that's what it is, and I don't think, Saint George, you've been very considerate. "'But come along at once, and don't let us have any more arguing or shilly-shallying. "'You give me hold of your hand, boy. "'Thank you, George, an arm up the hill is just what I wanted.' "'So they set off up the hill, arm in arm, the saint, the dragon, and the boy. "'The lights in the little village began to go out.' But there were stars and a late moon as they climbed the downs together, and as they turned the last corner and disappeared from view, snatches of an old song were borne back on the night breeze. I can't be certain which of them was singing, but I think it was the dragon. The End Thanks for listening. I'll read to you next week on Nani Fiction. Goodbye!